Welcome to Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. And we are so glad you could join us this Saturday. This is the second half of our show. If you missed the first half, guess what? We are also a podcast. So you can definitely dial us up and check out all the good things that we have going on. Hey, we have a holdover from the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. We have Brittany on the line. Hey, Brittany, what's going on? Hey, um, I am looking for a recommendation. Um, I My birthday is coming up and I need to go out, but I have two little kids. And I want it to be a successful experience, which it's not always. Um, so maybe somewhere they can kind of run around a little bit and Minneapolis would be best. It's how old are the kids? Uh, three and a half and six months. Okay. So the three and a half year old needs to move. <laughs> needs to move. <laughs> and who are you going to be dining with? Is it like a family thing or friends? Yeah, just my parents. Okay. So not, not a big group. And in downtown Minneapolis, you're saying? No, not necessarily downtown, just anywhere in Minneapolis. Oh, I got the place. Okay, what do you got? Yeah. Take, take the family to the Surly Beer Hall. Oh. Okay, what about someone who's gluten-free? Because that's, you're good. that's what I am. Yeah, you're good. Because if I don't have my wine. Oh, then I'm you're gonna not going to. Yeah. They don't have wine. Yeah. Um, they do have gluten-free food, and they have an yeah. outdoor area where kids are always just running around. Okay, so mm-hmm. gluten-free, and then you want... What about Betty Dangers? Uh, Betty, be... Betty Dangers is okay. Let me just tell you that there's an edge to Betty Dangers. You know, they do have mm-hmm. a lot of, like, fun area stuff. Um, I don't know if you're going to find much gluten-free there, actually. And I don't think okay. it's good for kids just because the Ferris wheel and all that. I know it sounds like it, but I don't think it is. What about okay. Birch? What about Birchwood? Which is, you know, they do have a dinner, you know, and mm-hmm. there's a full service at dinner, I think. And they, I think they have wine now that we're saying this, but they have, a, it's a very family friendly place and it's, they've got tons of great food and they've got a little patio area and it's a neighborhood. So it's definitely more Birchwood? families. It's not very, it's not like a crazy big fine, you know, like dinnery place, but it's very yeah. comfortable. What about Where Red Rabbit it? or Red Cow? Um, yeah, Red Rabbit doesn't have a lot, but um, Red mm-hmm. Cow does. Where uh, is the Birch Birchwood? Birchwood is in um it's sort of South Minneapolis. I was just gonna say like I always Longfellow or Longfellow oh, mixed okay. up. But it's okay. definitely down there. And it's you know, again, it's it's got really great food. It's very healthy food. They try to do, you know, they kind of very like they'll customize the, you know for vegans or vegetarians and that kind of stuff. But they are also just a really comfortable spot. And they are the kind of people who no one's gonna look twice when your kid is like running around. Okay. Okay. Well, I would say, too, and Red Cow has um, lots of gluten-free things on the menu, and they have a really nice wine selection. You know, they take their wine selection really, they're really proud of it. They're big wine drinkers themselves, the family are, mm-hmm. and work hard at that. Actually, one more thing I would say would be El Burrito Mercado, Minneapolis. That's mm-hmm. a nice okay. big space. They have lots open? of fun stuff. They're very family-friendly, and of course, you know, with beans and rice and, you know, yeah. the quesadillas. Of, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of great food, that Mexican food that's... Okay, uh, I didn't realize that it had opened yet. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great spot. spot. Because that's very close. Good! So. Oh, do that one. All right. All right, Brittany, good please. luck. That's awesome. Okay, it's time for Top 2 in Hour 2. And now, the Weekly Presents Top Two, Top Two. The Top Two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two, winning. All right, this is the time of the show, you guys, that we tell you two things that we are each kind of obsessing about or loving 
and want to sing about this week. Do you want to start? I do because it's your fault. Oh! <laughs> Today, <laughs> I am heading out to the world's largest candy store in Jordan, Minnesota. And going to the Emma Crumbies Scarecrow Festival. If you have anybody under the age of 10 in your life, yes, I think the Emma Crumbie Scarecrow Festival that's in Belle Plaine, technically, which is right near Jordan, Jordan. you can do the candy store at the same time. Yep. The Scarecrow Festival is on. They have like scarecrows out there, apples, pumpkins. We're going to do that today. And I blame you. Yeah, you should. You should. And also, I just have to tell you that there's some really awesome candy <laughs> at the uh, the candy store. And here's the big thing about the candy store for me is the apple pie. And I think I talked about I'm that. I'm going to grab one. Get an apple yep. pie. Don't skip it. Like you think, oh, I've got all this candy. Get the apple pie. Yeah, I'm going to get the apple pie. Do it. All right. My first one is going to be the Armory, actually, because I went and Did saw... Did you go see Beck? I saw Beck this week and I got to see Where that it's show. At? I got two turntables he and a microphone. closed with that. And I was thinking, he's not going to sing it. He's not going to sing it. And then he opened with Devil's Haircut. It was spectacular. I love him. His new album, by the way, Colors, if you don't have it, you guys, it is... It is literally an, an uplifting fun. He definitely is making music that's more fun and kind of kicky. Wonderful. Greatest show. But here's the thing about the Emory. I've never, I'd never gone to a show there. Last time I was in there, I parked my car in there because that <laughs> used to be a parking garage. Um, and my work is like right down the block. Uh, I just have to say, it's a really great venue. And They've done it a was, great job with it. It was really sort of intimate, but still, you know, ostentatious and, and like a spectacle. Yeah. Laser lights and all the things. We're at the uh, lounge. Finnegan's has launched a new beer in conjunction with the Armory. So they have a special beer called Laker Blonde. That is the Armory official beer. Beer of choice. Yep. And it's great. And I just, it was a great time. And I just thought anytime that there's a show at the Armory, I'm going to give it, I don't technically like, I mean, I'm a little worried about the shows at the U.S. Bank from what I hear about the sound sound quality. So I think this is a very, it's a cool venue. Good alternative. Yep. Um, My second, second I sort of already mentioned it, but I have been there twice and I would like you to go to the Sweet Science Ice Cream location in Kagan Case or you can go to Como Lake because she runs the ice cream stand there. You can go to any of your co-ops and get a pint of the Berry Crumble. Yeah, it is just the the mouthfeel on it is so good. The tartness of the berry, it's it's got the crumble, which is like oatmeal cookie. That ice cream is just tremendous. That's I keep eating it. Very good. And I have to say that the one I got there was the salted caramel. Actually, I got chocolate salted caramel, and that was Yum. spectacular. Because yeah, those she... two things together, just perfect. Never overly done, never overly sweet. And it tastes like real food. Like you have that moment where it's like cream. Yes. yes you feel I that you the get thing. the ingredients out of it. I thought the same thing. It's like, if you were making ice cream at home, what you feel like that could taste like. Yeah, I loved it. All right, so my second uh, of the top two in our two is actually just Spanish cheeses. <laughs> Which you can find at Gazda. Yeah, so Gazda, or I don't know if they're saying it right, it's supposed to be like Gachta. Which is, that's the whole thing with the Basque region in Spain. And it's like a whole, it's not Spanish, really. It's a whole. It's not Gasta. No, it's not Gasta. But it's going to be Gasta (laughs) by the end of it. It's going to be Gasta. Um, But anyway, there's also, they're serving great Spanish wines. And that's what I wanted. There was, uh, they were pouring some Basque wine while we were there. And there's some beautiful Basque wines coming into this market. And just pairing those with a lovely cheese and a little cured jamón or any kind of meats. This is the kind of thing I would like to see more of. So I'm super excited that they're opening. They're open at Keg and K's. I would like to see more, please. The Spanish wines, too. If you like go to Certix and you get someone to recommend some for you, because that's 
they're good at it. They're always inexpensive. Yes. They're way less expensive than the some of the Italian wines. They're less expensive than the French wines. Much. But you get a lot for your value, I think. Yeah, and I would say definitely get to, when you're in your wine shop, talk to the experts there and find out which ones are really great. You know, don't just go right away to Tempranillo, which I think people think all the time. Right. Like, really branch out into some of the other things. And I, I think, actually, the best way to do that is to go to this little wine, you know, this wine bar, this Gusta, and look at what they have try things by the glass get a cheese board play around there's a great uh cheese a spanish cheese called the uh, idiothabel which is like idiothabel like you're supposed to say i'm, I'm saying it's gonna <laughs> I say just, it's i don't even know i don't either and this is like i usually end up correcting you and here i am going i have no idea no i and <laughs> we are here to highlight new things so right. half the time we don't say we're right. discovering <laughs> with you is the point people so um, but I do think like going to the cheese shops and then matching up, that's a great, if you're looking for a good thing for fall is to really like have a gathering on your patio is really hit some of the cheeses and, and Cernix is obviously a great place for that. Yep. But France 44 is equally as wonderful. Go into the cheese shop. In fact, talk to Peter at France 44, go into the cheese shop, ask for a certain like country or region of cheeses, and then, you know, get the list that you have and go over to the wine shop next door and say, so this is what I'm yeah. eating for cheese. Could you bring me like two or three wine bottles? Let's get into this. And they have a tasting bar at France 44 where they crack open a lot of things and they can you can taste things. Then have your friends over yes. and do a little like little and you can really sound like you have a lot of foin, foin, foin. <laughs> nobody knows what we're speaking talking about. of foin, 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 yeah um the uh worker bee and other honey places have this too but i the honeycomb yeah um where the honeycomb where they have the honey inside it and you like serve that with a cheese tray i think sometimes people see the honeycomb and they don't really know they don't know like, what to do with it yeah you can eat it yes and, and actually you can we were serve at the norseman and they had a little bit of honeycomb on yeah. their cheese board that's where and we were Okay, do we have a second We more? have one second. At the Norse at the Norseman Distillery, we had the charcuterie board which was really good. They had this beef this jerky on there. It wasn't beef jerky, it was jerky. And it was super good. And yeah. I don't really like jerky sometimes cuz it's too like Chewy. overdone and it smells Chewy. like a rendering plant. Yeah. This was like I could tell it was fresh and it just was it yeah. was perfect. They do great stuff. It's Thielen Meats, because I texted them and oh, said, hey, I had this jerky. It was awesome. Where'd you get it? Or did you make it yourself? They were like, oh, we got it up at Thielen Meats. Oh, my gosh. Good so, stuff. Jerky. There it is. Where also, Norseman. Great, great oh, spot yeah. to go. Oh, yeah. We had a nice great bees cocktails. knees cocktail at the <gasps> Norseman. In fact, I had two. You did. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to have some Talks guests. Local makers. Local makers. We'll be right back. This is The Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit. We have a new segment that we're going to debut for you today where we're going to talk to some local makers and we had Rocco, who's so brilliant, make us a little sounder for it. So here we go. You're a maker. You're a hero. It's time for the Maker's Moment, a visit with one of Minnesota's many creators, artisans, and entrepreneurs who make the Twin Cities such a cool food scene. I make things. You're a genius. (laughs) For more stories like this, check out Stephanie Hansen's podcast, Makers of Minnesota, on Podcast One or wherever you find your podcasts. All right. We're making it. How about that? That's pretty fancy. Pretty fancy. That's kind of nice. We have Sheila and Yasmin Sajati here today. Ladies, I, I don't even know where I first ran across your product, 
but it is called uh, Maza, and it is a uh, chutney. It's this green sauce in this bottle. I was like, what is this? Can you explain what is Maza chutney? We call it the magical green sauce at our house, <laughs> um, but it's basically a cilantro and ginger infused chutney. And you had asked me earlier, what is chutney? Chutney is basically like a condiment, I would say. Okay, so it's like, I don't want to say ketchup, but... Please don't say ketchup. Well, I always thought chutney was just like, you know, the Major Gray's chutney where it was sweet and it had fruit in it. And yours is cilantro and walnuts and ginger and... It's closer to a pesto. Yes, but it's very similar. Yes. Very similar to a pesto. really fresh, citrusy, goes great on anything. Yeah, yeah. So you guys are sisters. Tell me about, like, you're growing up and how did you experience this chutney or what made you decide, wow, we need to put this in a bottle? Totally. So food has been a huge part of just growing up in our family and in our culture. Like it's all everything revolves around food. My mom is the Ours type of too. person. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, right. Are you hungry? And you'll say no. And she'll be like, OK, I'll make you a sandwich. Then or I'll something. make you a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Then you'll eat this. Yes. Yeah. So that's very much our mother. And this is something that's been on our kitchen table for years and years and years. And we both my sister and I love food and we just wanted to share it with everybody. So it's one of the things that we're excited to share with everybody. And like you said, a lot of people are used to the sweet chutney. This is a different style of chutney, which so far it's been going really, really well. And people are responding to it. So if you like cilantro, because yes. some people well, have some that people weird cilantro yes. enzyme that makes it taste like soap. Yes. Yeah, it's incredible. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And you have like a hot version and a mild version. Yep. Did mm-hmm. like. Did you start out at farmer's markets or how did you just decide you were going to start packaging this? We did. We started just at local farmer's markets. I think we just did the Northeast farmer's market, which shout out to them. They're amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we started just moving on to other farmer's markets. And now you can find it at local co-ops. Yep. Um, around town. So We're at yeah, Lakewind, Seward, the Wedge. The product is Maza, M A Z A A H chutney. It's in a green M-A-A-Z-A-H. bottle. M A Z A H. Did I say yes. that right? Okay, yeah. in a green bottle. Someone's looking it up. Places. Yep, right. You know what I mean. <laughs> yep. Um, Thank you. So with this chutney, how do you recommend that people use it? What do you put it on? I love it on eggs in the morning. It's really great on fish tacos. Anything off the grill is really good. So steaks. Uh, grilled veggies. People broth. have used it as like marinades for things. That's like what I was you, thinking. Yeah, you could like mix it up with some like shrimp and then skewer that up and put it on yeah. the grill. Mm-hmm. Um, but just putting it on like pizza even, like I use half the bottle just on pizza. Well, I was pizza. quite honestly, yeah, yeah. I was so thinking about, uh, I have a quesadilla problem. Oh, <laughs> and yes. So like I literally came home from an event last night and I was like, okay, I need a quesadilla, you know, yes. and I just, I make them, you know, quickly under the broiler or in a pan. And this is exactly what I was looking around. I was like, oh, I guess I'll put some arugula on it. Like I couldn't find a green, <laughs> I couldn't find the punch factor. Sure, sure. This is going to be perfect for that. Yeah. And it has like a little bit of a vinegary taste yeah. to it too which adds really well to that quesadilla and the cheese with that oh my yeah, gosh that's what so i'm saying good. right yeah. on how Chicken? did you mm. go from like the farmer's market to deciding like we're gonna start to deliver this to stores do you have to like make sales calls um yes <laughs> yes it's like yes she's we like do. the business i'm the marketing so i'll let her you gotta that. show up with a bottle with yeah. your sell sheet um you really just have to keep on them email them constantly it's really hard to get into that first store but then after that you can just kind of build you're like oh the wedge got it in are you gonna are you gonna do what the wedge does (laughs) like you can follow trend right do you see this beginning like a food company career like do you see making other things or are you really just bullish on this one product and just gonna drive it as far as you can that's the dream. I mean, we've been talking about introducing more and more things. Like my mom, who is here today, yeah, she, she is, is here. just like 
an amazing cook and just comes up with these really brilliant just flavors and items that we want to share with other people. So I feel like we have some things in the works that we want to share with people, but we're trying to make that we're both like working professionals also. So this, oh, this is sort is of like our side, side hustle. hustle. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just got to figure out how to do that. So you guys, I think actually I met one of you at Lund's or Byerly's in Navarre when you were first like a while ago when you were sampling this. And I just, I mean, I was looking like I do and just running through. So yeah. I ate it and I was like, Oh my God. But is that something that you have to commit to doing? Like, is that your, is that like an important thing to be the faces of the product out talking to people? Absolutely. I think that's one of the, uh, at least my favorite pieces of doing this is meeting people and just teaching people what this is. Cause yeah. a lot of people are like, it's green, it's scary or it's chutney or what does it taste like? Or so I love that part of it, like going to the markets and doing the tastings and just educating people on what it is. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting. It's a big part of the job, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because yes. like you could have maybe called it like magic green sauce or something, totally. but it, you seem like you're trying to tie it into like the heritage of where you came from. What is your background? Um, my family is from Afghanistan, so we're first generation born here. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's something that people are like interested in and knowing too, just the background and knowing that it's a family recipe too. I think people are interested in just knowing the, the story and the story behind it all. Is there, um, when you think about other products, like, is there something else that you had growing up that you're just like, wow, this is probably the next thing? Oh my God, there's so many things. <laughs> Give me oh one. My God. What do you think that the Twin Cities is ready for? Like, you're thinking like in terms of releasing something from your family collection of food. I think something that would go really, really well with just even the chutney would be this thing called bolani that my mom makes. And it's basically it's like, so good. it's like a flatbread <laughs> that's folded in half, but the filling is like, mashed up potatoes with onions sauteed and then so that's like the filling it's kind of like a pierogi yeah yeah Yeah. like an afghan style pierogi and then basically that's folded in half and then it's like smashed down and then it's fried on both sides and it is the most delicious so is it more like a dumpling or like a quesadilla with mashed potato i totally had that child oh my gosh it's like a non-quesadilla potato right i've totally made non-quesadillas just to be clear that sounds great yes isn't it funny how like so in your culture that would be like uh we're calling it a quesadilla, which is from the Mexican culture. Sure. When you actually like break it down. Oh, and everybody you... has a dumpling and everybody has yes, a pancake. So true. Every, every culture, every cuisine has a dumpling and some sort of a pancake. And all of the food that we think is like our American food has its origins in an immigrant story or someone that brought it to the United there States. There is no American food. No. There and so no American food. it's so fun to be able to experience other cultures through food. And I really appreciate that you guys are doing that and by bringing this product and helping people expand their palates. Yes. I'm uh, heading up to Coon Rapids where you guys said you grew up this afternoon to take care of my nieces and this is coming with me and we're going to, ha- they're going to have their first green food. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Because I just think it's good to try things. And- Absolutely. And we get a lot of kids that actually like it, which yeah. they're yeah. afraid at first because it's green, but then when they try it, they're like, oh my God, this is good. So yeah. good. Yeah. Is there another product or person that inspired you along the way, another maker that you want to shout out? Uh, all of the kimchi people. Yeah. <laughs> all of the kimchi people. <laughs> That's right. They are so great. Because and- they're committed. That takes a long time to figure out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I feel That's like true. just within the markets, like everybody, it's such a great community. Like everybody supports everybody. And they just do. Like the mm-hmm. kitchen that we work out of the Good Acre. I mean, they're just great partners and everyone just like comes yeah. together. As a, it's just so nice. Have it's you gotten to fun. see Emily Paul's baby? 
No, no I have not yet. Okay, she's yeah. probably still on leave then, I'm assuming, because oh. she had a baby. So it's so cute. She sent me a little really? picture. That's Emily's oh. from The Good Acre. She's been on our show a couple times. Oh, that's great. No, I have she's not wonderful. seen a baby. Well, girls, thank you for being here today. The product is great. It is Maza. You can find it. You said at Lake Winds, also the at wedge. Seward, wedge. The Wedge. Go up. And what's your website? It's Maza.com. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we'll put a link up to that too on our show page. You we guys will. can dig into it. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Thanks, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Tracy Bakul from Red Cow and Red Rabbit. She's here to talk about a new program that Second Harvest has launched. Back and you are listening to Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Stephanie March. And we are here with Tracy Bakul, who is one of the owners of Red Cow and Red Rabbit, family-owned business. And you also have the distinction of uh, working at U.S. Foods, who has supported so many good causes in the Twin Cities. Our friend Hal. Our friend Hal. Hi, Hal. Our friend Hal. I love Hal. Hal is, uh, I don't even know what Hal's title is, but he's like, he knows everyone in the food business. He's He's just lovely. He's the captain of all things food, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a lovely guy. So September is Hunger Action Month, and you are partnering with Second Harvest Heartland, and a bunch of restaurants are partnering, too, to... Give back via a program that's new called Plates for Good. Do you want to tell us what Plates for Good is? So Plates for Good was started as kind of the campaign arm for Second Harvest Heartland to do something in September. Because it's Hunger Awareness Month. Right. It's Hunger Awareness Month. I wore orange on the 13th. You really did. I know. And I didn't that's even good. know. I was like, oh, you're wearing your orange jackets. We both love orange. She's like, well, it is Hunger yeah. Awareness. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And really, one in eight children, they do not know where their next meal is coming from in Minnesota, right. which is alarming. It, can you, like, if you just sit and think about that and you look at, like, your little kid's friends over at your house and let's say there's a gaggle of eight kids, one of those kids in that gaggle doesn't know where they're getting their food. And this isn't, this is right in our own town, right in our own neighborhoods, right in our own schools. That just seems shocking. It's so shocking. And it's not even in the inner city. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yes. And you don't know who that child is right. that you're looking at that doesn't nope. know where. Mm-mm. No, you can't tell. So I think from a couple of different angles, U.S. Food says, what can we do yeah. to bring awareness to hunger? We touch so many restaurateurs. We have warehouses full of food right. that we donate every single day to food banks. Mm-hmm. Right. right. They expire. All kinds of things happen. But how can we do more? Restaurateurs are probably some of the most giving people in our community. They For are. sure. And it's so weird to me when they get demonized as like business owners, you know, they're like, these business owners are this and that and the next. And you're like, everyone is totally doing whatever they can do. And so this was a way to say, there's some restaurateurs out there who don't know how to get involved. Right. So U.S. Foods was able to bring that to them and say, here's what you have to do. So as a diner, all you have to do is go Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday to 30 participating restaurants. Uh, 10% of your check will be donated to Second Harvest Heartland it's for the easy. entire month. So it's easy. The it's restaurant so tour didn't have to do anything but donate their, their money. And so uh, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, just to reiterate, 10% of the proceeds. So and this is all during September. All the month of September. So any Sunday, Monday, Tuesday during this month. Correct. And you're just eating for good. And you're eating for good. You're just uh, helping people with your eating and you're helping give through your eating. Um, Let's talk about who it is because yes. we have El Vento is on. So you can, the best part is this, it can fit into your life in a very easy way. Very this easy. is nothing that you have to do other than enjoy a meal and it can fit into your life. You can go to Bardo, 
which is, you know, over in Northeast. Very cute little place. I love that But you spot. can also go to Dan Kelly's Pub. Right. You know, you can go get a beer and some fish and chips and do this. You can you can hit up Coalition, which is an Excelsior Andy Dinah. You got those guys. Of course, you know, Red Cow. Of course, you can go get a burger and do it there. Smack Shack, you know, get some lobster and do it up like that. But at the Hewing, Willie McCoy's, you know, there are plenty of places that you can go that fits into your dining landscape. And I think the beauty of it, which you guys can enjoy, the more you eat, the more you give. There it is. Right. Seriously. And as you know, I mean, because it's embarrassing, actually, how much my husband's at Red Cow. They practically have his name on a seat. Thank you. We love seeing him. (laughs) (laughs) Someone asked me the other day, where's your husband? I was like, oh, yeah, he's he's been at the cabin for a while, but he'll be back. First night home was last night. Chips and dip. I was like, where do you want to go? He doesn't even, it's just the burger. He doesn't need a no chips and dip. Yeah. He's like, I just want the burger. Like, where do you want to go for dinner? He's like, well, um, should we go to Red Cow? I was like, you've been home two hours. I do love that when you talk about it. Yeah, it is just funny. So what you do um, specifically uh, for the restaurants is you go and you eat Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, 10% goes, gives back. And then you guys at Red Cow are also through your inspired giving program. You're doing a donating a dollar from every burger their month sold to Second Harvest. We are. So we have some type of a campaign happening every single month that's associated with some type of giving and charity. This month made sense, obviously, to join the campaign Plates for Good. Yep. And of course, the burger is quite amazing. It's the Brooklyn. It's the Brooklyn. Which is a comeback favorite of yeah. everyone. So <laughs> Good two in house ground patties, yep. cheddar cheese. The bone marrow butter, which just oozes over the top, house-made pickles in our Willette bun. So it's a fabulous burger, and a dollar of everyone goes back. Bone marrow butter. Mm -hmm. Yum. That sounds delicious. They cooked it at uh, Fox 9 on Friday morning, right before my own segment. And I basically was in the back, (laughs) shoving it in my face as fast as possible. That happened. Um, When you talk about U.S. foods and how much they do to give back, like when you go to these restaurants... Is it just a matter of helping people understand how to do good work? Because we know these restaurants all want to do good things, but it's hard to be a restaurateur. You're challenged with, um, we talk about the labor shortage a lot. So how did U.S. Foods help make this all come together so that everyone can benefit Second Harvest? So I think it was about bringing awareness to them that there's something they can do that's easy. They don't have to get it's a tough time right now and people are really busy in the restaurants. So it's a way for them to sign up for something, sign a piece of paper and give. I mean, they're giving restaurant tours are giving all the time to all of their local and their neighborhoods and schools in their neighborhoods. But this was a way to do something bigger Mm -hmm. and put a real focus on it. I think the interesting story behind it was, you know, their busier times are Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're less busy on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and it was really a way to drive traffic to those restaurants right. too on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yes. Which is such an important dining time as well. Yeah. And so I think that was something that restaurateurs really enjoyed was that piece to this. And it was all month long instead of one week. Right. No, Restaurant Week has its place. It's one week. Right. This was a month long promotion. And I think because we see 3,000 restaurants a week, we were able to touch so many people. Yeah, and it's fairly easy to, to execute. As opposed to second harvest trying to get the word out there just alone. Right. It would have they wouldn't have been able to touch as many. No. You mentioned that it's a kind of a hard time for restaurants right now. You're a restaurateur, mm-hmm. Red Cow, Red Rabbit. You're opening the St. Paul location. I know I'm going to a preview the twentieth of September, so you gotta be close. We're so close. We started training today. Woo! What kind of um challenges are you seeing in the restaurant business locally? And do you anticipate that it will get harder before it gets better? I 
I think I think restaurant tours are doing great, and I think there's so many opening. It's a wonderful time in our cities. But I think that labor is an issue, and so we're all kind of fighting for the same pie. The pie is not getting bigger. The slices are just getting smaller. So creating a great work environment for people is really important. So creating culture and all of the things that want people to come work in your restaurant, and it's, it's kind a hard of, job. And it's funny that you bring that up because I was talking to someone in one of your restaurants and said, do you guys have like a hard time? He's like, well, I mean, we do, but we don't because mm-hmm. we really work hard to value our employees. And it's almost like in the company culture, there's um, in big in companies, you have to treat your employees well. Otherwise you have attrition and people go to other places. That's in the restaurant industry before there was sort of like a surplus because we didn't have, we had less restaurants and we had a surplus of people that wanted to work there. Now it's sort of like you guys have joined just entrepreneurs in general in that in order to attract talent and to keep talent, you have to look at quality of life issues. You have to look at how to change the industry so that it's not like people working from three in the afternoon until three in the morning and then coming and doing it the next day. Well, I think there's a difference, too. There's I mean, there's definitely a different I mean, the restaurant industry is a counterculture. It's definitely not a nine to five job. And there's plenty of people who like that about it. Like they want to work 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. to 3 a.m. Yeah. And that's there's a part of the industry that needs to reward that so that people can live the lives that they want to live. Um, but I just think the idea for me, the idea is that it is. Never, you know, the the landscape at large would think that a restaurant hospitality job wasn't a real job. Like, what else are you doing? What are you doing on the, you know, what is, yeah, but what are you really doing? What's your real job? Yeah. And I can't even tell you how many times that when I was a bartender, I was asked that. I was like, why isn't this my real job? It's actually paying my rent. And so I think that the big change is really having from the industry inside focus on making people believe that that is a real job and making it into a career where there is mobility and there is sort of a a movement if you want it. And I think that that change from the inside has really helped a lot, but it's just a shortage of people wanting to be in the hospitality industry. And how we can attract people to the industry, right? Because a lot of us, like we started in high school, right? Because that was where we could get a job. And we started out as bussers or dishwashers or whatever, and then worked our way up. And um, a lot of those like high school age and young college age kids, they're not really entering the restaurant industry. So they're missing sort of those service skills, which I mean, honestly, I was the entrepreneur I was because of every day I worked in a restaurant. I could not agree more. Yeah, it's not attracting, attracting those people. But you said it so well. It's a wonderful career. And people that enter into that for their chosen career and path in life, it is a terrific lifestyle. And if you create the right culture, yeah, they want to do it forever. Yeah. And the I do, energy that brings, yeah, to your, the, I mean, you have to love it. Yeah. Because it's something special. Right. And I think there is, I think that there is a swing, there will be a swing back. I, I do, do believe that there is something with the, you know, the generation that is more concerned about themselves than other people by I'm posting about me. I want to talk about what I want. You have to serve my needs. They're not a natural fit to hospitality because hospitality means you put yourself second. Yeah. That is what being hospitable is. And so, and that's what service is. It's giving to someone else first before yourself. And so I think that there is, there will be a shift back because there is that because of the fact that the industry itself is creating the careers and creating the lifestyle that will support itself longer term. We just need to kind of, it's just all about a pendulum swing and cycles and cycles. We're in a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. But it, 
It's a tremendous time right now, and I think our town is amazing. Oh, the the amount of things, and I think the amount of different types of places that are opening is so exciting. And the fact that there's like Red Cow or Red Rabbit, which is opening up, you know, in St. Paul and Grand Avenue next to this other little tiny Hyacinth, Hyacinth, which opened, which has sort of an Italian, you know, sort of flair. But those two are two restaurants, totally different, totally different vibe. They're both going to do great. And one is not going to like cannibalize on the other. And I think that that is the magic of a diverse town yeah well i want to thank you for being here i also get the opportunity to thank you for sponsoring this show because it is a little odd that you guys have restaurants and you pay for us to talk about other restaurants and the community and we really appreciate that they love our listeners are here because they know everybody yeah Yeah, so i appreciate that and thank you for saying so we open october 2nd on grand avenue okay so we're going to a little preview so that will be september 20th we'll keep you up um I know that it's been a while getting it ready to go. That patio looks beautiful outside. It's going to be gorgeous. I know. I was thinking it's too bad they're not open today to go watch the Vikings game out there. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. But soon, October 2nd, St. Paul Red Rabbit will be open. Thanks for joining us, Tracy. Dine out Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday to support Second Harvest Heartland. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. It's been a fun day. We've had a lot of great stuff come across. New stuff, fun stuff. It's kind of fall. You get back into like... yeah. All the things. All the new things, all the things. So much eating out. I know. Well, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, doing it for a good cause for Second Harvest. That's Sunday, e- Monday, easy Tuesday. Um, and then doing it, you know, just to kind of see what's new. Actually, let's go to our Facebook question uh, because we I did ask this morning, now that Keg and Case is open, because mm-hmm. that seemed to be the thing that everybody was kind of waiting for. I was. Right. So then asking people, what are you kind of excited about? Maybe what's the new thing that's on your radar? And I can tell you that a lot of people are excited about Lat 14. Oh, yeah. The Golden Valley yep. um, new Asian themed uh, fried rice. What yep. do they call it? <laughs> <laughs> fried rice. Jason went on and on about the fried rice. He was all about that pineapple bacon fried rice, which Lat 14 is, an, uh, is from the owners uh, on Ahmed. Uh, she owns Lemongrass Thai in Brooklyn Center. She's opening this place in Golden Valley. It's right off of 55. Super, super cute. They redid a Perkins. Oh, my God, you guys. So delicious inside, too. So lots of different foods from Filipino and Thai and Cambodian Laotian food. Lots of great expanding of your boundaries, guys. I'm super excited about that. Um, That seems to be the big thing. Someone said Revolution Hall at Rosedale Center is coming soon, which is a food food hall court. (laughs) Court. I'm going to call it a food court. I'm not going to call it a food hall. So... Let's just a food hall we talked about and we think a food hall is multiple different vendors from multiple different ownership companies all collectively An presenting something together. Yes. And the food court would be some one person deciding to put out different kiosks and concepts. So like we're going to have a pizza shop. We're going to have a taco shop. We're going to have an Asian shop. But yeah. it's all the same owner. All in the, the back. same ownership. Same produce. Same product kind of idea. That's to me is a food court. So you know, even though a, a even a mall court. food court is technically more of a mall food hall because those are all independently owned. Is yes. that weird? No. But at the same time. I don't know. Uh, and also, uh, our friend Jill, she said the dough room in Wyzetta. She's excited because we need a, a pizza place out there that's better than Maggie's or Punch. Or different than Maggie's and Punch. Uh-huh. And this is a this is a hell yes for me, too. The so, dough room. The dough room. It's taking over. It's Alex Dayton, who has cooked all around town. Good friend of the Lexington. Good friend of Red Wagon Pizza. And he is going to be opening this little place in the District Fresh Kitchen spot. And it's going to do pizza and pasta fresh made. 
Oh, that sounds delicious. Don't you I think? think pasta, I'm going to make a prediction for, you know, we'd usually do in January our predictions. Yeah. Here's mine early. Okay. Pasta's coming back. Oh, it's back. It's, it's back. coming back. It's back. If you think about both Hyacinth and Bungalow Club. And Bardo. And Tenant. All of it. It's back. Yeah. Hey, we do have Kathy is on the line. She wants to ask a restaurant question. Kathy, what's your question? Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I would like to know if you know the name of a fairly new restaurant on Selby Avenue. I think it's in the 1600s. Uh, do you know what, what kind it is? Or No, I don't know anything about it. Uh is it a oh. space that's being made into a restaurant? It was a laundromat. That's what oh, I read. it's the St. Augustine's. Yeah. Uh, Augustine's Bar and Bakery. Okay. It, yeah, and it's a cute it's a, little, it's supposed to be a, both a bakery. They have, you know, and they're doing like fresh bread and stuff, but it's also just a cute little kind of uh, a bar and restaurant. Do you know if they serve entrees? Or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Breakfast yeah, yeah. Menu, it's a restaurant. Breakfast menu, lunch, dinner. They've got coffee. They've got a charcuterie board. They have Burger Monday. Date night Thursday, walleye menu features on Wednesday. They're doing lots of fun things there. And it's Augustine's. St. August- Augustine. It's actually just Augustine's. Oh, you're right. Yeah, Sorry, it's Steph. Augustine's. Bar and Bakery. Okay, thank you very much. All right, you check it out. I got confused there because that's over in my hood, and there is a building that something yeah. is, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right over by um, Bon V. Something is going in there, and I think it's a restaurant, but it's not been announced yet. Yeah, I don't know anything about that yet, but I know that is totally in your neighborhood. <laughs> Uh, do you have any morals of the story today? Um, I do. And that is that we are all immigrants. We're all from somewhere. We're all from ge- whatever generation, second, first, second, third generation from somewhere. And we all come together through our family collective stories and through food. Good. So to have a first generation family here that had their mom brought them here from Afghanistan and to have them entering our food scene and introducing us to the Maza chutney mm-hmm. makes my heart warm. Good. I love that. I, I'm, my moral of the story is I'm going to take this chutney and go make me a quesadilla. <laughs> That's my moral of the story today, kiddos. I tell you what. Hey, I wanted to point out that Andrew Zimmern was written up in the New York Times, and it's not your normal Andrew Zimmern puff piece. And I, I, I don't know if I clicked into it. I don't know if I already put it on the show page you earlier did, this think. week. Um, But if you haven't seen it, Kim Severson, who is one of our favorites, you know, uh, food writers in the world for me personally, she and Julia Moskin. um, And they she wrote a really great piece about Andrew because it's really about the realities of the dark and the light pull of fame. And, you know, that's not all shiny stars and awesomeness like you think. And, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to this world and this life that he's living. There is. And just to give you a reminder, if you missed our State Fair podcast, it is still out there on Podcast (laughs) One or wherever you find your podcasts. We did 12 days of it, you guys. It's really fun. We also have Weekly Dish that if you don't catch it on a Saturday, you can download each hour, hour one or hour two. Or each week we're going to be posting a little bonus episode of things that will be um, it'll probably post on like a Wednesday or Thursday. So all of the content for Weekly Dish you can find there. I'm Stephanie's Dish at Instagram. Please follow me. You can follow at Stephanie March on Instagram. Sure. Steph March on Twitter. And we always have, we have a a show page on MyTalk1071 where you can find links to things we talk about. But the place we're probably most active is our Weekly Dish Facebook page. Yeah. And throughout the week, we're posting information and Steph's great stories and all the things that she's working on on the magazine. And 
Trying Sometimes. to do. Hey, Bon Appetit came to town. I want to touch on this quickly oh, because yeah, we only have a minute Lucy's. or two. But the Juicy Lucy, the Bon Appetit web kids came to town and they did, which was funny. I think that it was weird that everybody reported like Bon Appetit weighed in. I'm like, let's be clear. An associate editor is not <laughs> on the digital Adam team. Adam <laughs> Okay. Let's be clear. Uh, but they came to town and they ate nine Juicy Lucy burgers and what they said was nine hours. And they, I, they came down and I thought it was really interesting. They, they ranked. I thought some of their choices of places they went was weird. They went to like the crooked Hell's Kitchen and Crooked Pint. Pint? Yeah, I, not I juicy Lucy places. Too. Anyway, they came down. The Nook top three was their number one, and number two was Matt's, and number three was Groveland, Groveland Tap. Tap. Those are your juicy Lucy spots. We can debate it another day, but I thought the list was good. I was okay that we can debate this another day. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Nook. I know I you do love too. Matt's. I love the Nook too, though I yep. do. But I just think for me, it's a hereditary thing of Matt's. All right, guys, go have your best Saturday ever. Yeah, it's warm. It's great. We'll see you next week. Ciao, ciao.